Hello and welcome to Migrant Media Network podcast, MMN Voices, Ghana. This is our fifth episode in this series. In our conversation today, we'll be looking at entrepreneurship opportunities in Ghana. In this episode, with the help of our resource person, we want to look at how to sustain a successful business in Ghana as an alternative to irregular migration. First, a brief intro to MMN, the Migrant Media Network. MMN is an initiative by Rogue Agency, a Berlin-based non-profit in Germany. The project is funded by the German Foreign Office and has been running in Ghana since 2019 and in Gambia since 2021. Our goal is to help individuals make informed decisions on migration. We want to create awareness of safer legal migration options and also to avoid dangers of irregular migration and human trafficking. MMN also promotes engagement, education, and entrepreneurship, which we do through workshops and meetups conducted in the rural areas by our local coordinators. MMN has also produced informational print materials, which we call the Field Guide Kit. You can find this material and more information on our website at migrantmedia.network. We are also available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Now, let's jump straight into today's conversation. As stated earlier, we'll be looking at entrepreneurship opportunities in Ghana as a positive alternative to irregular migration. With entrepreneurship in Ghana, we are going to cover how to get support, growth strategies, how to use new technologies to help grow the business. Then we are going to look at how to understand and manage taxes and the relationship with the government for a startup company. Before we continue, let us introduce our resource person who is in the person of Kwame Ababio. Hello everyone, my name is Kwame Abibio. I am an engineer by background. Um, I schooled in Ghana, in West Africa. Um, I had my primary education in Ghana, secondary education in Prempe College, and then furthered my education in engineering in the University of Mines and Technology, Takwa, UMAT. Um, two years after engineering school, I ventured into entrepreneurship which to me was a way for me to try to solve some problems with my engineering skill. And so in the, since 2015, we started an agro company trying to use my engineering to solve some problems for farmers. Um, so it's been five years in entrepreneurship and within this journey, um, we have about, I personally have about 12 plus African entrepreneurship awards across the continent um, with the technology that we designed having been made the top um, African Greek innovation um, in the past. And then we've also been able to work with about um, 1,500 farmers, which we have improved their livelihoods over the years. And the company we established is still in existence after five years. So basically that's about me. 
So with this problem that you are solving, you, you want to know the new technologies that you, you, you have incorporated into the business to solve your problems. Okay, so with ours, we, the initial problem was to solve an pro, agro-processing processing problem for farmers, and which was specifically in oil palm. But when we were solving it, me, I, I personally discovered something. Most of the farmers who were doing other crops were also doing oil palm. So you have an oil palm farmer, you, you render a service to or you buy from, and then they have okro, they have that. And their challenges were one, they didn't have finance. And they couldn't access the finance from the bank. They couldn't access finance from anywhere. So you have a situation where they are there doing the farm. They don't have the funds. But on that, anytime I spoke to somebody in the city that I was a farmer or were doing something farming, I had 100% acclamation. Oh yeah, I love farming. Oh yeah, I love farming. Oh yeah, I love. So I'm like, so we love farming in the city, and they even want to do farming. Now the people in the farms also don't have the money to do farming, but we in the city have the money. So how do, how do we now transfer the farms from the city there to do the farming on the ground? Because most people in the cities were saying they didn't have time, they have primary jobs. So I was, that was when an idea came that why don't we get people to farm but stay in their office? So for us, we decided to try to solve that problem again of trying to get finance from the cities to the field by coming up with a way that people can farm and using a technology like we having a platform where I can farm in a virtual or digital manner. So I go to the platform, I sign up, I go to the platform, I see a farm that is hosted on the platform. I select the farm I want to join. I choose a ticket that I want to join the farm with, which is an amount of money. I pay. Once I pay, the funds is used on the field. On that same platform, I can come every day, every night, every hour, any time of my choice to view the farm by giving giving them access to real-time videos and pictures. So I just, if I want to travel to the farm, I don't have to travel, I just have to pick my phone and click on enter the platform and I can now view the farm's real, real pictures and real videos. And then watch the farm from start to finish. And when the farm is done, then I can also through the platform request for my profit. So that was what we did and we came up with a platform called Smart Farmer. So Smart Farmer is an online farming platform where anybody with a phone or computer and internet connection can farm from anywhere in the world by just signing up on the platform. There are a lot of farms hosted there, selecting all the farms you want, you join the farm, you get to farm to make income or profit, we get the farms to support the farmers with cheap credits. Alright, so um, Mr. Ababio, from your background, you could see that you are an, an engineer. And then for an engineer that you want to pay um, farming problems, what were some of your challenges from mm. the time you conceived the idea to the time you were able to execute it to come to this milestone of receiving all these awards? Yes, so I remember when I was working, when I was in the industry, I used to have this um, session I called the idea session. So when I'm done with work, then I'll try, I, when I come, when I'm back home, I have a book that I'll write some of the challenges that I, will, I want to tackle to solve. So the first thing was even trying to locate the problems. Because I didn't want it in my engineering, so I wanted it in society. 
I'm more skilled to that. So it was first trying to find the problems. So it meant that you have to validate, go to the places where, because a lot of data is not available. So for me, I was, I was lucky. I mean, not lucky because that was what I found. The problem I found online was that of oil pump. And so I got a data and then I decided to try to solve it. Um, the challenge was how to validate it. Because it means you have to go to the ground to see what the research. So by validate, you mean to make sure it's true. Yes. Or it's actually yeah. a real problem yeah, that hasn't been solved. Yeah, it's a problem okay. that has not been solved. Yeah. So that was one of the challenges. And then afterwards, uh, I didn't have engineering. I didn't have an entrepreneurship background. And this meant that you had to establish a company or how to register something and try to get into it. So it was more like how to figure out all this. So I, I did all the learning myself through YouTube and other educational platforms online. Just try to learn how to start a business, how to run a business, how to run a business plan. Can you remember some of the resources you got online apart from YouTube? I, I use Udemy. Udemy. Udemy was one platform. Which is I a, a paid online course. Yeah, yeah some are free. Some, some of them are yeah, free. Yeah, so okay. I remember I took some of the free courses on Udemy. I remember Udemy specifically because I took some of the courses for free. YouTube was more like you watch the video. And then also sometimes you read on Google, you type on some website and all that. So those were some of the challenges. But after that, the challenge, the next one was how to raise the finance. Yeah, I mean, who to even talk to, to become a partner and that kind of thing. Yeah. So those were the things I remember in the early stages, trying to validate the problem, getting knowledge about how to start a business and how to start a company or whatever. And then also how to raise the finance. So after you have figured it out and you started business, what are some of the challenges working when you got you, you have started? Is it trying to get a farmers or the, the land or what are some of the other? No, the around? challenges run through. Um, basically, running any organization has some peculiar challenge. Um, let me say common challenges, oh, which runs through almost every business. Um, it has to do with team building, it has to do with um, the product you are putting out, how best the product is, it has to do with fundraising or financing funding, it has to do with markets. So basically our problems are also run through them, not anything peculiar. But with us, because I was a skill towards the farmers or the farming or agri space, we have a peculiar problem with farmers and that I see, I see it as a challenge because um, once we are trying to solve problems in our attempt to solve the problems then you are discovering more problems so one of them is the farmers are unable to accept the solution as we predicted first so of all what, what was the challenge so their challenge was they grow the palm and they don't have a processing facility oh, okay to process the yields. So with that, what it means is after they grow, their post-harvest losses come in. So ours was to try to make it possible for them to process the yields. But in absence of the processing technology, they had conventional ways of doing it, which they had accustomed to and they had adapted very well. So with ours coming in, now they have to shift. And that was what the problem is. They are either looking at ours as going to be expensive, or it's going to make them lose some of the oil. So we had to take some time for them to understand. And initially, the model we sent did not work. Because what we wanted to do was to give them a service where they pay for the mailing. 
then we notice that the plant that we built even though it was a smaller size plant of that of the giant processing technologies in, in the world was still too big for them so the system the tanks and all that a farmer cannot fill a tank and that means that the tank too will have to be filled before we are able to use it so we couldn't even run the service for them so then we changed the model then we now take the fruits from them and buy by giving them a market for the fruits and then we put all the fruits together and we can process so that's that's one way that's one of the challenges we face there yeah Yeah, so funding was was an issue because I remember what I did was I had I was I was working so I did have some savings, but I remember I put up a business plan because from the lessons I got they they, they mentioned that if you need to get funding, you need to have a business plan. So as simple as the solution was for me, I, I still had to put it into a business plan. So when I did, um, I remember I pitched to one of my colleagues at work. A senior colleague yeah so i noticed he used to stay behind like myself because i needed the time to also do the writing so one day i had a thought to just pitch to him it was actually a trial i was just trying to see how it's going to be so i remember it was an informal one like um senior can you just see what i'm trying to work on but fortunately for me i just pitched and then he was like wow we should do this so i had a first shot and it was a kill for me so that gave the initial funding and he also became the co-founder of the whole organization. But in moving on, there are other stages of the business that you need extra financing. And then that made me exposed to the bigger challenge of raising funds in Africa or Ghana. And that, was, that meant that as a startup like this, there were not so many organizations ready to support in terms of funding in our system. And as a two, um, um, what happens is the traditional financing organizations are also not looking into startup financing. So what it, it makes it a challenge, even where to go. That is even when you have the idea. So for me, what we did was I was entering into competitions with our idea, and that even explains why we have a lot of awards. Oh, okay. Because then I was always looking for any competition that they were looking for best of ideas to give funding so we started right so i remember we started in 2015 in 2015 we were judged that i was judged the best entrepreneur young entrepreneur in germany just in one year it was all because i was looking for the funding so i saw the opportunity online i still go back to online then i put in our idea and then so it means you had the idea you're looking for opportunities yeah, because to finance it. worked on the idea, yes. so you're looking for opportunities. So that, that, that yeah. great. So it kept on like that 2015, 2016, 2017. I remember almost every year we were winning something. Every year, sometimes twice in a year, sometimes three times in a year. So that, that means you were kind of earning money from the competition yes. to, to help yeah. with the funding. Yes, yes. Some gave money, some gave uh, information. Of the money that was at the end some did not and then you go to the end you win and there's no so much money or the other opportunities so it went on like that but most of the money came through that oh okay yes so basically that's how we solved the problem in that or around that time around that time. yes and this problem never ends any company that is growing you never stop needing funds but then 
at our end from that time till now, that was how we were able to unravel it. And then we were able to now come into um, doing actual business by maybe selling and then some customers are coming in and then we keep on going like that. You talked about building a team as a challenge. So how do you overcome that one? Yes. So with any starting organization, it's more about a vision. So um, you don't have a lot of money to pay and working as a team or working for a company in our part of the world, it almost looks like if I'm working and I have to get paid. So if you don't have the money, then who, who is going to work for you? So it became a challenge how to transmit the vision for whoever was joining to be able to understand. So it was not as if we were able to overcome it. So it meant that we had to do a lot of the things ourselves. Most of the work was done by myself and my partner. We had to move around for the market, we had to go around for the farmers, we do all of those things. So as time went on, then some of the tasks became too, too overwhelming. And then you, you try to put in some funds to pay someone to be able to get it done. So the team building was at first, because the vision was not, people could not buy into the vision, you had to pay. But we had to build capacity in finance to be able to get to that stage. Then we could bring on people. So we brought on people along the line. And then as time goes on, you increase. As employees. Yeah, as employees. Um, I can say that about three years into it, then we could now go into trying to build a team. Because now, you can transmit a vision, but you still have to be able to give them a livelihood. So we can do both. And now, from that time till now, we've been strengthening our team um, progressively. Roughly how many um, workers do you have now? So, in, our, in a team, we have about 10 on site and 6 in the office. So, 16. 16, yeah. okay. That's very impressive. So, um, over the years, from your experience, are there organizations or places that young people can go and get uh, funding or school training or business registration or legal support or ideas? Yes, um, if you take it in stages, legal side, always the government is there. So the government has institutions. In Ghana, Registrar General Department is there that provides that services for you to register the company. So I think those are more basic. In terms of funding, or for instance, even building a team, there are not explicit organizations there with laid out services to help you raise funds or to help you build a team. In any case, if they were, you were going to pay because they run it as a service. So I don't see um, we having some service providers for startups. In our, in, in, when we started 2015, there wasn't. But along the line, 2017 there, then we had in the ecosystem some form of organizations like incubators and hubs who came in to provide that kind of support that was missing in the system. So now there are hubs and incubators in the system that you could go and maybe through those hubs you could get funding. I don't know a hub here that gives money, but they could help you shape the business, which are mostly the requirements you need to be able to raise financing. So when your business is shaped up, write a business plan. I had to go through the hard way 
by doing it all myself, reading it and doing it. But this time, if you have a simple idea and you know nothing about running a business, you can go to an incubator across the country. I know there's some in Takrati, Kumasi, in Accra. Kumasi Hive is in Kumasi. iSpace is in Accra. Hapa Space is in Kumasi. Um, some others in Accra, etc. Can you take your time and mention them? Um, yeah, so we in Kumasi, I'm speaking about the incubators and yeah, the hubs. So in Kumasi, there is Kumasi Hive, who is an incubator, or more like a, a, a hub that can shape up your idea for it to look more like a business, for you to discover the business aspect. In similar fashion, there is Hapa Space in Kumasi. There are others I, I may not be able to recall. In Accra, there is iSpace. There is um, InnoHub. There is... Um, recently, we have Accra Digital Center, which never was before when we started, but I think 2019 or 18, the government also established a hub like that for digital innovations, where any Ghanaian that wants to incubate an idea or try to shape up an idea can also go there. And there's some in Takra, there's some in Sunyane, all Baden alongside the same fashion. So these are the ones you can go to for shaping of the idea. When it comes to funding, I'm still yet to discover organizations that are into funding because the ecosystem of entrepreneurship in Africa or Ghana is not so much developed. Let me be specific with Ghana. So in our case, you still have to be seeking for the support external. Obviously, the banks are too conventional, so they are not in support of anything unconventional, which mostly startups are, they come up like that. So you have to go out. So for us, we use the competitions, and those ones still run. You have to get a portal that showcases the competitions, and then you you put your idea through. There are major ones across. Some of them we won the Tony Alumelo Foundation, which is across Africa. Every year they do for about 5,000, 1,000 to 5,000 entrepreneurs to win in about $5,000 each. Um, we won as well. There's African Entrepreneurship Award. Um, we won. That one is organized by BMC Bank of Morocco. There is um, Roof Forum. Roof Forum is more of a Greek, so we won that as well. They also give some funding for, they select 15 top Greek innovations and then they give some funding. Um, Several others I can't mention, but you have to get a portal that finds them here. Alright, so about the growth strategies that if someone wants to start their business, they need to imbibe into their activities. What are some of the strategies that you use in your company for your growth? Yes, the, these strategies are generic. It runs through every business. So I'm just going to repeat some of the things that probably people might have read. Um, a few unique ones we have done are also chipping. So basically, you need to have a business idea. You need to have um, a business model. So there's a difference between an idea and a model, a business model. So an idea could be, I want to do A, B, or C. Now the business model is, how does me doing A, B, or C translate into me making money a b or c or let's say one two three in terms of figures right okay so the model is where you try to translate the idea into a business and of course a business is either you are selling a product or a service 
right? So then the idea should translate into a service or it should translate into a, a product. So you should have that. And those are basic strategies that you need to have. And then also, how do you function on the market? So your idea that has now become into a business or product, which where where are you trading that is it in the local markets and in the local market who is it people working people in the informal sector so you have to identify a market that you can trade your product or service and that's also another strategy now how strong you are on the market depend determines how more money you make from because the market is what produces the money and sometimes to how strong your product or services determines how you perform on the market so it's a chain and how strong your idea is determines how strong your product or service is. So it's all starts from the idea, but has to translate onto the market. Oh, okay. By first becoming a product or service, and a product or service being traded on the market, and then performing on the market, where more money comes. Or something. Yeah. All right, so about the taxes and the relationship with the government, we want to know as a startup or if someone any of our listeners who want to start their business or an entrepreneurship venture, what are some of the taxes and obligations they will have to meet as part of the government's requirements? Yes, so in, in there are some requirements and, um, in Ghana, um, it's required by every company to pay tax. That is once you are, you are, in, you are in operations. Um, we in our Greek, the government has a, a pretty policy that mostly supports entrepreneurs or startups in agri or anything in agri because the first 10 years you are entitled to a tax holiday for if you are in agri so you don't necessarily have to pay tax to the government um, however other obligations to get a business to grow which may mean maybe you trying to get an office try to uh, get some machinery that one you may have to foot the bills because the policy does not compel whoever is giving you that service because they are giving to you as an agro company to waive a tax of it. They have to pay a tax as a service provider, so then you invariably have to, you have to pay them. But in import of agri machinery, because it's still agri and it's passing through government, which is a port, there's still a waiver. If you can present your documents as a registered company who files your returns, which means that you are up to date in the books of government, then you can also assess some of the um, it's not been a smooth process because a lot of things have to be improved when it comes to implementation of these policies. But these are policies that exist. That with a little push and some, well, I can say some level of push. But generally, other areas I'm not too preview because I know it's only a group that has tax holiday, and the others you may have to go through to pay the tax. Um, there's a school of thought that our systems of policies in terms of taxing is not favorable for startups, which I, I, I share <coughs> because um, <coughs> startups are startups. They are not necessarily making a lot of money. So taxing them is more like making it difficult. So I support that maybe government should take a look in that and try to make it more favorable for other startups, not only in a great close or try. So now you you have conceived the idea, you need to put it out there, you need to sell it, you need to market it. So what are some of um, the, the the ways you, you package your products and market it to people outside? How do you do it? 
So it, it depends on the idea. Um, I mean, each of the, any, any idea has its way of it being sold on the market as a product or as a service. So mostly packaging comes in when your idea translates into a product, which is a tangible product, right? Something you exchange for money. So in food like ours, where we the oil, the when we process the pharmacies, we get oil. So the oil, we noticed on the market that it was being sold unconventionally using waste uh, bottles or used bottles, let me say it that way, that people were converting to use as a packaging material for the oil, which is unhygienic, a lot of exposure to um, diseases and other stuff, infection. So we came up with a packaging where we now went beyond the processing of the oil into packaging our product. So we have a product which is packaged. It's actually called, um, so we named it after the product, Palm Natural Oil. So Palm Nol. And it's a hygienically produced oil, well packaged, that we put on the shelves that people can buy in the market and all that. So these are some of the areas you may want to look at what differentiates you on the market. And packaging could be a way of differentiating your product on the market. That is, if your product is a tangible product that people have to exchange money for. Um, when it's a service, it's more about the delivery of the service and how you render the service, which could also, in a sense of referring it or comparing it to the tangible product, be a packaging. I mean, how do you package the, the service products to the market? How, how do you communicate it? How do people get in to encounter it as a service? All right. Relatively, you can call it a package, but this is not a physical package. It's an intangible package. And so it's, it applies in both cases. It should be good. It should be great. It should be exciting. It should be one that calls for people to want to try it. Right. And the marketing in both cases works because at the end of the day, if you have a good package, the product is there, it looks glamorous, it's nice, and nobody knows about it, then who's going to exchange money for it? So what happens is you have to find mediums to get people to know about it. Because obviously you're going to sell it to people and people are the ones going to exchange the money for the product. So you can now you can use social media, which is, a, is proven to be a good tool for marketing. And then you can also use the traditional media. Traditional media are the media mediums that existed, like the TV, the radio, the newspapers, etc. Which are things you can also use. Of course, they cost money. They cost money. And the digital media or the social media could also be ways maybe you can have it cheap by creating your own account and try to reach a lot of people there. So um, basically, that's what I would say. Um, in terms of strategies, each product comes with a kind of strategy. For instance, ours, with the oil, we are competing with a traditional market where people had a way of buying oil. And we are improving it. So what it means is that the market is competing or we are in friction with the market because the market is used to conventionally this way, even though ours is better. So we now have to market the importance of people consuming oil in a different way before we chip in our product. So ours goes, of, we call it sensitization marketing. So we have to sensitize the people of why they need to move from what they are doing or switch. And then before we tell them about if they are switching to which product, then palm oil. 
So it depends on the kind of product you are marketing. Then you can carve a strategy around it. So, for, um, I mean, I don't know. If you're marketing something which is better in terms of price and you don't have to sensitize people, like for instance, there's a toothpaste is something we all know they use. So you've been able to come up with an idea that makes your toothpaste uh, maybe make people breath more fresh or make them more healthy and then the price can also be cheaper then you don't need to sensitize people on why they should brush their teeth you are just telling them that you know what if you are going to brush your teeth buy this one because it's cheaper it's healthy and it makes it gives you more fresh bread so the strategies differ based on the product or service and um, the smart farmer service we have which is trying to make people farm online again comes to meet a challenge like this we have to people don't know they can farm online they don't know they can use their phone. I remember I, I, I did a presentation, I told people, can you imagine if you're going to start a farm and then you don't need a cutlass or a hoe? And they were like, how are we going to start the farm? And they're like, all you need is your phone and internet. I'm like, how do we start our farm? a farm with phone and internet? So now it still comes back, you have to sensitize them on how they can use their phone and internet to start a farm before you tell them that they can use smart farm. So basically the strategies comes as a result of the product or the idea that you have and then you look for ways to get people to know about it and which will be the best way to get people to know about it yeah. so lastly um before we end this we would like you to give us some resources where our listeners can get access to some of the things that you talked about if we want to access whether their apps or their web websites yeah uh, where can we get some of these things so with um for instance with ours like funding I, you know i told you about we used um a lot of competitions entering competitions so this platform that we were using called opportunity desk it's opportunity desk dot desk dot com or something yeah i think right so you just go there and what they do is they, they host all the opportunities most of the opportunities there so you just have to browse through and select so if those looking for funding can try to use that um, I always say Google is also a universal tool. You just type what you want in Google and then they can pop up some of the platforms, other platforms that can help you get it. So, yeah. Um, with tuition, Udemy, I use Udemy. So people can just go udemy.com. That's fine. You can also use YouTube. YouTube is one of my biggest resources now. I guess I'm challenging. I just go there. There are a lot of people hosting sessions, there, training sessions there. Yeah. Um, so you can also use that. And then just to announce to people who are listening that our platform, which is an online farming platform, we are trying to make the whole of Africa farm or the, the, the continent farm. And why? Because Africa has 60% of the world's arable lands. And invariably, what it means is that Africa should be supplying the world with food because we have the land. But the problem is we are not farming. So how do we get people to farm while they still remain as doctors, as nurses, as engineers? So we are going into a new phase of farming where people don't have to leave their works to go and farm because we still need the doctors, we still need the engineers. So this time we are trying to make people farm in their pockets. So an online farming platform. So our platform is called Smart Farmer. So www.smartfarmer.com.co. Anybody at all can just reach it if you just want to start a farm. And depending on your strength, the tickets with about $100 to $850, you can get a farm to uh, tickets to buy to get a farm running. And then you on your phone can also have a view of the virtual experience of farming through real-time pictures and images. So basically that's so what I'll say. If I choose to farm on a um, smart farmer, 
what are the chances that my returns are guaranteed? My, yeah, yeah so investment. so it's a farming platform, it's a secured platform where um, everything happens in your account. So when you go there, you sign up, you create your own accounts, and then through your account, you can get to join any of the farms that are hosted there. So on this account, you pay your ticket on this account, and then you receive your profits on this account. And the farms are insured under Smart Farmer. So what it means is that in cases of risk and other things, Smart Farmer takes care of the, 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 what do you call it, the losses. And then on your behalf, because we are rendering the service to you. And what we do to prevent that or avoid that is we are on the ground, we irrigate the farms, we use smart technologies to make the farm go on. So you don't necessarily expect a situation like that. But in case of, it goes beyond us, then the farms are insured. So you can also get but you only have to just everything happens in your account so just by a click request my ticket and it comes request my profit and it comes you can also book a farm visit so on your leisure we are we are seeing people getting stressed with work and sometimes they want places to go so now you work as an engineer as a doctor as an architect after a long working while you have a farm on smart farmer you can just go there book a farm visit and you and your family or your friends can just Platform organizes a trip for you to go on the farm, have a feel of how the real-time farming is, and then at the end of the day, you can just take some pictures, videos, also have a chance to get a feel of the produce, even get some. Mm-hmm. So everything happens on your farming account is secure, and you can do it across the world. And also, I I, I checked the website before I came here. I realized that you don't really have to go all the time. You can also check um, in real time how the farm is doing. Yes. You have that on yeah, the, so on the platform, what it means is that once you are farming there, you don't have to be there. In your home, you can be in Rwanda, you can be in Guinea, you can be in Ghana, Nigeria, US, UK, everywhere on the world. You just sign up on, you just go on your platform, your account, and view the pictures of them, the videos of the farm. Sometimes real time pictures, seeing how they grow, and then sometimes educative ones that we do to just explain to you what's happening on the field. So you get to educate yourself, and you also get to see what's happening on the farm. And then you, you are part of it and until the harvest okay lastly i want to know if i'm joining the farm this is december or i'm joining the farm in august how quick am i going to get my returns and also what the percentage of expected return of investment yeah so um uh, it works around the farm that we are you are joining so for instance if you are joining maize and you are joining well, green pepper or poultry the farming seasons are tied around the farm that you join so depending on the farm that you want to join. Some people are not necessarily interested in just making the profit, but they just want to be part of a farm. They like poultry farms, they want to be part of poultry farm. So with that, every farm tab on the platform gives an information of the farming season. So you get to know. And then once you join, it means that your farming season works within that. So until that farming season ends, then you get your profits. If some, we have between um, um, 10 to 12 months, we have um, seven months, we have eight months depending on the farm that you choose. And then the profits too, depending on the farm, we give a range of the profits you should expect. So some are ranging from, our platform ranges from 15, the minimum is 15%, and you can go as high as 40%. So based on the farm that you join, you can be between 15 to 40%. Profits. Profits. Which is almost assured, right? Yeah, it's basically, yeah. once you farm on the platform, we assure the minimum, yeah, and yeah. then we, at, at we, we, the we push you to the maximum, the based minimum. on how well we perform on the farm. Okay, yeah. I think um, listeners might have more questions, but that's why there's a website or a platform yeah. for them to check. Yeah. So thank you very much, Mr. Kwame Ababio. Yeah. So uh, you're welcome, and then I'm so excited to also um, get to share some of 
my knowledge and my expertise on this. The whole idea is Africa has a challenge of we having a lot of our population as young people, about 75%. But the challenge is these young people do not have what to do in terms of work. So for us, I always say that Africa's problem in terms of entrepreneurship is not like something nice we have to do. It's something we have to do. It's a necessity. If we don't do, the population which is full of the more young people are going to be stranded. And it's just a time bomb. They are going to be frustrated and that's going to cause more chaos for us than we already have on the continent. So for us, speaking on a topic like this for me is a way of contributing to how people themselves could turn themselves into entrepreneurs by creating the jobs themselves and also to also emphasize on why we need to create the jobs so that other stakeholders can join for us to have um, um, something wonderful for the, the, the youthful population we have in the African continent here. Yeah. So that's it for me. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We hope you found this discussion about positive alternative to migration fruitful. In this podcast episode, our goal is to help our listeners understand how important it is to establish a business or an entrepreneurial venture as a positive alternative to migration and how to sustain and grow the business. Over here, what we do is to have an honest discussion about migration and related topics. We hope we achieved that through this conversation. Until our next episode, stay healthy, stay safe, stay informed. Thank you.